welcome to Gamers on the Go, a podcast dedicated solely to those games that you can take with you. I'm your host, Chase Kenneke. Today's show is episode 31, I believe, on the Pokemon trading card game, and my guest is Sam Chandler. Hi, Sam. Hey, Chase. Good uh, good to be along for this one. So I'm uh, excited to get going and talking about a game from 1998. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> Sam is a co-worker of mine, and then uh, we also went to Mizzou uh, at the same time. Um, and uh, Sam, why don't you tell me a little bit about your history with handheld games and just kind of, did you grow up with a Game Boy or Game Gear or something like that? Um, I guess after the original PlayStation was our my brother and I's first true game system. And uh, after that, my parents bought us both a uh, Game Boy Color for a trip we took to Utah to go uh, skiing. And uh, each one of us got a copy. I got Pokemon Red and he got Pokemon Blue and it just kind of grew from there to the point now where I've got a PlayStation 3 but it's pretty much exclusively used for Netflix and the occasional game. But I'm uh, pretty committed to the, the Nintendo handhelds as my primary... If I'm playing a game, it's going to be on my DS or a uh, Game Boy emulator. Well, you are on the right show. I guess so. <laughs> um, well, awesome. Cool. Uh, what What's some stuff that you're playing right now? Uh, right now, um, still uh, kind of cooking on Pokemon X and playing that. And then uh, just started a uh, Pokemon Emerald game today on uh, just what GBA for iOS, which mm-hmm. if you didn't download, uh, they've... Yeah. They put some restrictions on them, which is unfortunate, but uh, definitely understandable. So make sure you're not stealing games, anyone out there. <laughs> definitely. But um, you totally can. It's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I just actually finished uh, Pokemon Ruby uh, on on an actual cartridge uh, on the Game Boy Advance, and then I transferred all those bastards onto Pokemon Diamond, and then had to transfer them again onto Pokemon Black and White 2, and then had to transfer them one more time to get them into Pokemon I've never Live. quite I've never quite understood that series. Um, they're so they're not very quick to evolve with anything. They're not really a trend based series, which I guess is a good thing mm-hmm. because they deliver pretty much consistently a, a quality game, no matter what they're doing. I mean, obviously, their bread and butter being the regular RPGs, but um, there's certainly some other things I'd like to see them do in relation to the technology and kind of evolve with that a little bit more. But uh, I guess it is what it is. It's always going to be a fun experience, and I'm sure I'll be playing them many years from now. Definitely. And I think we're getting a little bit closer with things like the Pokemon Transporter and the Pokemon Bank, where you know this is now... some uh, There's a system put in place. There is some structure there to say, hey, all your Pokemon can go here, and then you're going to be able to access them in games in the future. Fingers crossed that that's actually Yeah, it's, that it's certainly continue. a good start that they're able to get on. Because the 3DS is a relatively robust system. Mm-hmm. It's not by any means um, a lame duck when it comes to that so it's good to see them kind of using the um, I guess the outer reaches of that system's capabilities and really starting to push it a little bit more which is good to see because that really kind of revived the series for me because I didn't really enjoy black and white at all Right. it was fun but I mean they didn't change a whole bunch from uh, diamond and pearl and platinum to really see um, a true I guess major difference between the two of them. So when you got to Pokemon X and Y, the 3D thing was great, and then some of the new features they added just kind of made the game a little bit more updated and made it a little bit more accessible to a lot more people. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to see what they do with Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire and see if uh, see like how those um, connect with the the Pokemon Transporter and Bank to, to make sure that you know everything's actually going to work like Nintendo says it will. And then just to kind of see what they do to refresh those games. Because just playing back through Ruby again, it's been a long time since I played Ruby. Mm-hmm. And I had forgotten almost all of that story. And so I'm, I'm excited to see how they would translate it again from, from 2D to 3D. I remember surfing a lot. Yes. There's a lot of surfing. So. Uh, there's a lot of diving. And uh, it, yeah, like half the world is covered which, in water. Which is just rampant speculation now. But as opposed to doing a complete rehash of the games, they could certainly add a little bit more of an element to keep you playing the game as opposed to having it be all water. Maybe the land comes up if you choose Ruby. and That'd be cool. Yeah, definitely. Or if um, you choose Sapphire, there's more water involved. I don't know. It's, I mean, similar to with how in HeartGold and uh, Soul Silver, they actually made the Kanto region more than just a bombed-apart, terrible place. Mm-hmm. There, there was nothing going on in the original ones. And then with those remakes, they kind of made it... 
an actual place you wanted to continue the adventure with. Right. So I, I hope you see more, really more going into the game than just that first story. Because with X and Y, there's not a whole lot to do after you finish the main right. game. Oh, God, I know. So, which kind of bums me out because it was such a well-made game. Mm-hmm. It really made me want to take my time and explore everything in the process of beating the game as opposed to waiting till afterwards because there's really not a whole lot else to do. Right. Well, yeah. Uh, so uh, those games, I think, are supposed to be coming out this November, uh, so we'll have to see then. Uh, but, you know, we're talking about the Pokemon trading card game here, so you are correct. Uh, I am I believe that it was uh, 19... Uh, well, this game came out, actually, uh, in Japan, I think it was 1998. In America, it was April 10th, 2000. Uh, it's developed by Hudson Soft and published by Nintendo. So this is one of the... I don't think it was the first, but it was one of the first Pokemon games that was not actually made by Game Freak. Uh, ported out to uh, Hudson Soft here. Uh, Hudson, you might know from games like Bomberman or Adventures Island, Adventure Island or uh, Bonk's Adventure. Uh, and then Hudson Soft uh, merged into uh, Konami in 2012. They're still Hudson Soft, but they're just now part of Konami. Um, trying to think of some handheld uh, games that they've done in the past. Uh, they've done... Um, like you play Advance Wars, right? Yes. So uh, before Advance Wars in Japan, there was uh, Famicom Wars mm-hmm. and then Game Boy Wars, and Hudson Soft made the Game Boy Wars games after the first one. So they didn't actually do anything with Advance Wars, but they, they had a hand in that series at one time. Which um, you can kind of look at their track record and think about how many just solidly put together games they had, definitely. especially when it comes to the strategy games. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a big uh, Advance Wars player and have played through all those, except for the last one, the Days of Ruin one. Didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I, I got kind of bummed they got rid of their uh, art style because I felt that was one of the things right. that really um, set that franchise apart. Was that they had this nice established art style that was really visually appeasing. And then they gave it a nice upgrade when it got to the DS, mm-hmm. and uh, then I guess took a step back, so to speak, with that second game on the DS. I mean, they did some cool things. Like I liked the motorcycle units and a couple of the new unit ideas there were, were interesting mm-hmm. but then just yeah that art style and the way they they messed with the co's mm-hmm. i just i didn't like it nearly as much i ended up taking it back which is weird for me to take it back any game that sure I buy. um so yeah hudson soft worked on those game boy wars games they've also done uh, mario party advance and then mario party ds as well um so that's that's kind of where they're coming from uh now the pokemon trading card game Sam, how many Pokemon cards do you have or had in the ba- back in the day? Oh, Lord. <laughs> um, I guess we, we obviously went with the base set and mm-hmm. then kind of stopped, um, I guess, around middle school. Really got out of it and then had some friends bring their old stuff over again in college at one point. And then started playing just with friends there. And then obviously you, you want to buy more and more mm-hmm. and, and build different decks and have fun that way. But... Uh, I would say now, having been completely out of the game for years now, I guess, shoot, I probably topped out at, I mean, around 1,000, probably under. Yeah, I, that sounds about right. I, uh, I mean, I played mine in uh, middle school, and then I think I ended somewhere like early high school when a friend's like, oh, you should play Magic the Gathering instead. <laughs> and so then I got into that, uh, and then got way into that, and uh, that, was, that was bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, so the actual physical Pokemon trading card game, that came out in Japan in 1996. Uh, it was published by a company called Media Factory. Um, and this is actually, that's eight months before Pokemon Red and Green. Um, de- oh, that's not right. I have debuted in Japan. That that can't be possible. <laughs> to have the card game before the actual games. Check your facts uh, so, before you go telling these so people that must lies. Be, that must be uh, eight months before Red and Blue debuted in, in America. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so the card game itself came to came to our shores in December of 1998. Uh, so that's four months after Red and Blue to, to help you out with that. Um, and then Wizards of the Coast, the people who, who do Magic the Gathering and all sorts of card games... Um, they were the ones that Nintendo was like, hey, we should work with you guys, you know card games, um, and and that's what we got. So um, Nintendo actually has later taken over the publishing duties for, for the card games. Uh, they did it in 2003, I think. Which I think now it's uh, just the Pokemon company. Yeah, uh, right, so that's all... They're big enough now, they've got it that. all in-house, so... And Which is good for them, because the game just keeps on going. I mean, they still have world championships for it each year, and they definitely. introduce lots of new cards, and... 
keep retiring sets and keeping it fresh, introducing different different things. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's it's certainly been a very successful franchise, a very successful fad that everybody thought would go away. Yeah, eventually. absolutely. I remember it's still going pretty strong. I remember I had my cards. I was playing Pokemon Blue, and my dad looked at me and said, "You know, that's just going to be something that you're never going to play in in three years." And I said, "Okay," and. Here I am doing a podcast on yeah, it, so, so here we are. Suck it, Dad. 25 years old and talking about Pokemon <laughs> for a worldwide audience. Yeah, well. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think some of the stuff they've done with the card game now, it's it's not something I would want to jump into, because now they're doing, like, dual types and all the crazy it's just, stuff. Oh, it's, it's, it gets so much more complicated. Yeah. And I think, for me, at the time getting back into it it was fun just as i could play we could play with all of our friends right everybody was getting their stuff together and you'd meet for uh, an evening and then go drink beer somewhere else so and just it's i mean it was just a fun little diversion definitely i mean and those those first three sets that that base set that came out in 1998 uh and then uh jungle which came out in june of 99 and then fossil came really quickly after that in october of 99 so that's uh, i mean that's let me count here. That's about, I think two hundred and twenty-eight cards, something mm-hmm. like that. Pretty close to that. Um, like that's those cards just defined defined a whole generation. I mean, later we got we got a second base set after that where they kind of just re uh, re upped everything. It had a mix of some jungle and and basic, uh, and that that was like one hundred and thirty cards. If we just said okay, we're, we're rebooting that, and then came uh, the Team Rocket set in April of two thousand. Jim Heroes in June of 2000, and then Jim Challenge in July of 2000. And then I stopped playing. Mm-hmm. I stopped caring. Yeah, that was about the time that I got out of it for me as well. So that was that was about the time uh, where they were introducing um, the the new ones, the, the new 251, or the new 100 from, from Gold and Silver. Uh, and I, I have some of those cards, but I just, yeah, I, I never remember caring that much. Um, so the actual Pokemon trading card game for the Game Boy Color which I think also worked on the regular Game Boy. It was one of those black cartridges that, yes. that worked on both. Mm-hmm. Um, so that only included the uh, base set Jungle and Fossil, and it has all of those cards except for two. Uh, that is uh, that is an Electrode that uh, like had the Pokemon power from the base set where it could like turn into turn into an energy, mm-hmm. uh, and I guess that was just really hard to make that work inside a Game Boy yeah. game. And then. Um, Ditto, which the same same deal. Ditto, uh-huh. The fossil Ditto, which just transformed into the opponent's Pokemon, that just I guess got a little too crazy to to program that stuff. But sure. every other single card is in there. Plus, uh, there's a bunch of extra stuff in there. There's um, there's 17 cards that are uh, only for the Game Boy version. Uh, so there are EV evolutions like uh, Jolteon, Flareon, mm-hmm. and Vaporeon that all use colorless energy, which are really cool. Uh, they made their own Electrode and Ditto um, that are just, you know, hey, we know there's no Electrode or Ditto in this game, so let's make our own. Um, and then they uh, have the legendary cards that you get at the end of the game, uh, that Moltres, uh, Articuno, and Zapdos, and then a Dragonite. Okay. Um, there are also 15 prom- promotional cards there, so, uh, you know, the promos that, you, that you'd know, like Flying Pikachu or Surfing Pikachu, uh, and then... Um, that promotional Mewtwo that was pretty sweet that you get it from like the Pokemon movie, so the first one, the first Pokemon movie. Um, uh, but then, it, yeah, it had 196 cards from the from the first set there. Um, and there are also uh, two cards that are so. I mean, the total there's 228 cards in the game. Um, there are actually two other cards that you can't get in any other way of getting other than this uh, card pop feature. Mm-hmm. And card pop, um, if you've played a Pokemon game before and you've seen Mystery Gift, it's kind of that same thing. Uh, the Game Boy Color had an infrared sensor on the top that was kind of... Um, it was kind of like a link cable. You could still use a link cable with Game Boy Colors, but uh, it was a way of transferring some data. So you'd, you'd be able to put those next to each other and do this card pop, and each of you would get a card. I can safely say this was the only game I ever used my Game Boy Color's IR port. Really? With because I, it might be the only one. <laughs> it has. To, I mean, it has to be such a small amount of data to exchange for it to actually work. Mm-hmm. And since this game is so light on resources, because you had mentioned before they excluded some cards because they would just be too 
uh, complicated for the system to handle because it's it's based a very simple game, and that's kind of what made it great because mm-hmm. they didn't go overboard with anything. It, they they got the battling system down to a T to where it worked really smoothly, and there was there wasn't any issues in the um, programming there. So then when you have a feature like Card Pop, I think this was one of the few games that used that IR port well. Because it was, I mean, it was fun that you didn't have to uh, give up any of your cards to someone else. It was just you both got a free card out of it. And having the chance to get two ultra-rare cards just made you want to do it more. So I I used that um, more so than with any other game that wanted to use that IR port. I mean, I can can almost say that's probably the only one I used it with. Uh, I I didn't have too many other friends with the game, um, so I didn't really get to do a whole lot of card pop. But uh, the two special cards that you could get, one is a special Venusaur, and then the other one's a special Mew card. Uh, and the Mew one, I think, was like the, had like a metronome feature that mm-hmm. they would just use a random attack from the game, mm-hmm. and that always seemed kind of cool. Um, I think we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves here, and that's probably my fault. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the card game, in case somebody out there does not know what they're sure. what they're talking about. And I think this is really what um, this the Game Boy game was what really got me interested in actually playing yeah, the card game. Because before that, it was just let's collect the cool looking ones. Mm-hmm. Let's get let's try and get Charizard. Yeah, let's try and get our favorite. You have that holographic Charizard. Oh my god! Oh, yeah. Shoot. And um, once we got this game, we started playing it. My brother and I and. That's what really was a, a great way to actually learn how to play the card game, which at its base is a very fun, well-made card game. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, you're, if you want to run down the rules for those that are unfamiliar, go right ahead. Sure, absolutely. I mean, you you talked about it before right there. Is, is like, this is a game that took me from just collecting the cards, where I just want one of everything, to going, oh, shit, I need four Hitmonchans. I, I need to get that shit now. Oh, yeah, I need some Scythers in my deck. Anyway... Um, so yeah, uh, you start out seven cards each, uh, there are six prize cards, uh, and these prizes are cards that you get to pick up when you defeat another, when you defeat one of your opponent's Pokemon, um, so it's just like a draw, a free card, but when you run out of those six cards, you'd win the game. Um, you can also win the game by knocking out all of your opponent's Pokemon where they don't have any, anybody to sub in. And then you can also um, mill them out, which is uh, your opponent not having any cards that they can draw from their deck. Uh, so 60-card decks for each person. Um, the Now, the way the way this game is kind of different from Magic, you know, Magic you have the lands where you can tap the lands and then use them for whatever you want to. Uh, with Pokemon, you actually had to attach energy cards to specific Pokemon, uh, and then they would be the only ones capable of using that energy. Uh, and there were also different types of energy. Uh, so there's like a lightning energy and a grass energy. And attacks would correspond to different amounts of energy. So trying to think off the top of my head, like Electabuzz has, you know, for one lightning energy, you can do Thundershock. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for a lightning energy and a colorless energy, which could be any color, uh, you can do the Thunder Punch move. Um so uh, there are so there are energy cards, there are Pokemon cards. Uh, Pokemon come in basic varieties, so those will be the starter evolutions, uh, and then you can have a, evolutions of those. Uh, so like Charizard, Charmander, and Charmeleon would all be separate cards, and uh, you just put your Charmeleon on top of your Charmander, and then it evolves there. Um, there are also trainer cards, and trainer cards kind of work like spells. Um, you could use as many of them as you wanted to in a turn. They were free to use. Um, and and some of those... Uh, trainer cards are kind of where you win or lose the game, in my opinion. Most definitely. Because you'll get cards like Bill. Uh, Bill in the game is is the uh, like Pokemon expert person, scientist guy. Who, he developed the Pokemon storage system. He did. He did indeed. <laughs> and he changed himself into a Pokemon, and you helped him to not do that anymore. So in this game, Bill just allows you to draw two cards, which is awesome. Uh, there's a, another good one is Professor Oak, which has you discard your current hand and then you just draw seven new cards, of which there could be more trainer cards in there, and you can play a lot of cards all at once. Um, yeah, and it's, it really holds true today in that, I mean, the, the version of the game I'm most familiar with now is, is, I mean, shoot, three or four years removed, but it still always remains about your deck's drawing power, how mm-hmm. you can get the cards that you need to focus on your main strategy, because you got to have one main strategy and then some support for that 
And however you can get those cards on the field, that's what you need to be doing. Right. So it's, and it holds true today. So it's really kind of had that staying power with, uh, even though they changed the cards so much, and they mm-hmm. introduced different uh, variants of certain cards, they'll introduce different kind of uh, strategy points, but it remains the same in that you have to get the cards that you know you need that give you the best chance to win on the field of play. And you do that through uh, trainer cards and then certain uh, Pokemon letting you draw cards. So right. it's all about that drawing power. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, similar to Magic, you can only have four of a kind of card in your deck, except for energy cards, where you can have as many as you want. Um, so, yeah, a, a lot of those cards, like, um, you know, like Pokeball or Pokemon Trader, where you can get the specific card that you need for, for a certain situation, those are really uh, killer important cards to have. Um. Uh, let's see, the, the types, they really kind of simplified the types. Uh, you know, in, in the regular Pokemon game, I think it's like 12 or 13 different types. Mm-hmm. But you'd have things like flying and normal and... It's all the crazy combinations that come out. Exactly. Yeah. Or, or you'd have dual type Pokemon. For the card game, they made it really simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, you only had, uh, I think it's seven. Seven types. Maybe. Which I believe they tried with one yeah. set to have, or a couple sets to have... Uh, dual type Pokemon. Yeah, like that, that would come it, later. That didn't stay very long. That certainly wasn't one that stayed around. Right. Uh, so yeah, there are seven types. There's there's grass or there's green, red, blue, yellow, purple, brown, and uh, white uh, or colorless, really. Mm-hmm. So um, like like Pokemon games, uh, like more traditional RPG Pokemon games, there are eight gyms. Only in this game, they're called clubs. Uh, where you have to defeat the gym leaders, except they're called club masters in, in this one. Um, so eight clubs, seven different types. Uh, there's not a colorless club, so two of the clubs are actually repeated. So you'll have like a grass and a poison one, even though they are both use green. Uh, and you'll have a, a rock and a fighting, even though they both, both are brown and would use the same energies. Um, but it bears to mention that both those types would have different weaknesses. Right, absolutely. So that, uh, that brings still... in a certain element of having to s- sculpt your strategy around doing right. that, or just make a rain dance deck and <laughs> yeah, or beat not, the living yeah, crap out of everything you give a shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're, you're right. Um, each of the Pokemon cards would have a weakness and a resistance, uh, or some of them wouldn't have resistances. But um, So like, um, like Zapdos... Which is a crazy one because uh, it's an, it's an electric Pokemon, and where most of the electric Pokemon are weak against Fighting Rock, whatever the whatever Brown is, um, Zapdos because it's a flying Pokemon as well. Even though it's still Lightning, it actually has a resistance to that. Which I was playing some this morning uh, just to get ready for this podcast, and uh, and that fucker stopped my uh, Hitmonchan's right right, <laughs> in the, right cold. I, that kind of sucked. <laughs> um, Anyway, um, so it, it really is very close to a Pokemon game. It's almost like a Pokemon game light, because mm-hmm. uh, you, you don't actually have to do any traveling. Right, there's it's not really all, an overworld to explore. Exactly. So. They'll, they'll show you a map, but it's all just fast travel of giving to the clubs, get you to... Uh, you'll still have like a professor at the beginning who helps you. Uh, his name is... Uh, Dr. Mason. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so Dr. Mason, you, you'll still get a choice of starters, except you get a starter deck, but you pick between Charmander, Squirtle, or Bulbasaur. Um, and then you just, you play against, uh, it's just going to different, more or less, gyms, mm-hmm. and, and fighting the uh, underlings, and then fighting the, the master. Mm-hmm. And you get a medal, you have to get eight medals to get into the, the final place where you fight, uh, not the Elite Four, but the Grand Masters, and then wouldn't you know it, somebody already beat you to it, so you have to beat your mm-hmm. rival again. Uh, in this game, your rival's name is Ronald, and <laughs> I, I always found him annoying, but <laughs> whatever. What a crappy name for a child. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there were a couple other things you could do when you weren't playing against the gyms. There was a there was a kind of coliseum area where you could play in these tournament matches where you'd have to win three matches in a row, and if you did, you'd win... Um, a promotional card, a special promo card that you wouldn't find in the game anywhere else. Um, those would happen kind of sparingly. I think I think when I looked it up, it was something like you get it after the third medal, and then after the 
eighth medal or something like that, but uh, you can do these a couple times during the game. Uh, there's also this really weird guy named Imakuni, who is uh, based on a, a Japanese singer musician who really loves Pokemon, and he uh, actually contributed some music to um, some Pokemon. I don't know games, but he, he's contributed to the anime, mm-hmm. uh, some songs there, and he also um, has illustrated a lot of the cards for the uh, the actual uh, card game. So he was put in as this kind of weird character who is confusing and silly and has a deck full of uh, Doduos and uh, <laughs> Slowpokes and, slow and, far-fetched. and Farfetch'd and, and Psyduck. And he's got his own trainer card, which just confuses his own Pokemon. <laughs> and he wants to be a Pokemon himself. Imakuni is really, really weird. Um, but he gives you six booster packs if you defeat him. He does, he does. So yeah, he's based on a guy named uh, Tomo, Tomoaki Imakuni. Uh, who's, who's just a, a Japanese musician. Uh, there's also another bit of trivia. There's a there's a guy named Mr. Ishihara who is in the top left of the map, and he's this ultimate Pokemon card collector, and he'll trade with you uh, during the game a few times. You have to talk to some NPCs around in different clubs to get him to even show up. But once you do, he'll give you some really rare cards for some less rare cards. Uh, so Mr. Ishihara is actually also based on a, on a real person, um, he's based on the Pokemon Company's president and CEO, um, Sunikazu Ishihara. Uh, so that's another little nod that you can find. Um, so, th- I mean, this is kind of the point in the show where we can talk about whatever, Sam. So I don't know if you want to talk about uh, decks that you like or, or other features in the game. Uh, there, there's an exploit that I know about. Uh, oh, sure. Which is where you can... Uh, the game saves pretty regularly mm-hmm. when you're playing a match, uh, but it won't save until you. There are a lot of coin flips in the game, mm-hmm. and the coin flips are not completely random. They're mm-hmm. they're done in a set order. That is, I mean, I still don't know what the order is. You don't know the algorithm, but what you can do is you can flip a coin in the game, and if it comes out not the way you want, you can turn off the game, turn it back on. It's not going to change. The, it'll still be the same result, but you could not flip that coin, mm-hmm. and then you can wait for your opponent to try to flip a coin, and you know it's going to be tails for them. Yep. Um, I know it would get to, which I was never one to really want. I mean, I guess in my last playthrough, once I got the that GBA for iOS mm-hmm. emulator on my phone, I was like, well, shoot, I'll play the Pokemon trading card game. It's a, it's a good take a week and just play through it and build a different deck each time. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I decided I didn't want to do export it like that. Right. It's it's already real. I mean, it's when not, I was it's when not I was a hard game. Yeah, I mean, when I was ten, it wasn't <laughs> as easy. But uh, now it, it it came down to being all about making a deck that was fun to play and would make the game a little bit more challenging. Mm-hmm. So not completely stacking it, getting it to where it it plays well and has a sound strategy, but it kind of levels the playing field with the computer. I mean, that makes it more fun. I'd, I'd much rather have a, a challenging uh, card duel than basically just steamrolling over everybody. Definitely. Except for the last battle. When I last fought Ronald, I got the Blastoise Rain Dance deck, oh, yeah. which, for those unfamiliar, essentially, um, Blastoise is the engine in this deck, and he has a Pokemon power called Rain Dance, which allows you to attach any amount of water energy to any of your Pokemon any way you want. Whereas yeah, normally you'd times. only be able to play one energy per turn. Correct. So with this, I mean, if you have the right kind of hand drawn, or if you have trainer cards that let you draw more cards, you're able to get a fully powered up blast choice on the field by turn two. Mm-hmm. And then just, I mean, lay waste to all their guys because they're not powered up yet. Right. So. And, and to make it even worse, uh, Blastoise's other, his, his only attack, he's got that Pokemon power that's pretty broken itself, but then he, his only attack is called Hydro Pump. And it already does forty damage, mm-hmm. but then it has it it gains for any extra amount of water energy yeah. you have. So and you get twenty of, more damage, right? And there are a couple other Pokemon uh, that water Pokemon that do the same thing. They have mm-hmm. a water gun attack. So somebody like Lapras, or I think maybe like Cedra or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're able to get your Blastoise out and just throw all of this water energy on your guys, you just have all this beef that mm-hmm. is just so hard to stop. Yeah. It was all about 
especially in that game, just knowing how the computer played, you could go just on the full offensive at all times. Right. And pretty much you'd come out winning every game. Unless, of course, uh, the unlikely were to happen and you'd have no Pokemon or no trainer cards come up. So. Right. But that's the nature of the game. That Yeah, and that's kind of a really cool nature about the game, uh, in my eyes, is that games could last one turn, or they could last lots of turns. Mm-hmm. I've had some games where I, I beat the opponent in one turn before they even have a chance to play, and that does seem a little broken sometimes, but I think it's it's cool, especially in a game where every trainer you beat gives you card packs so you can get more cards. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nice to make a deck that is all about doing as much damage at the beginning as possible mm-hmm. to just kind of grind for some extra cards out of the field. Sure. And that was, I mean, another fun aspect of the game in that you could make these uh, kind of more gimmicky decks where they're not all about just attacking all the time, mm-hmm. but throw out um, an Alakazam deck where he has the energy trans right. power where you can, or I'm sorry, the uh, damage swap power where you can move damage counters from one of your Pokemon to another one. So if you put a couple tanks like a Chansey and a Snorlax in your deck, mm-hmm. you can just move damage from them all the time. And then uh, eventually your opponent runs out of cards, and you've just strangled their deck, basically. Right. <laughs> so, that, which I mean, was kind of fun to do. It takes a long time, but it was very fun when it worked. Yeah, I mean, when I was younger, it was that battle against the Psychic Leader who had uh, that Alakazam damage swap mm-hmm. deck. And... Uh, I just couldn't get past it because I, I couldn't throw in fighting Pokemon because he'd have the psychic stuff that would just kill him. Mm-hmm. But then he'd have a Tauros that would just fuck me up and I couldn't do anything <laughs> about it. Oh, yeah. And it was just rough. The Tauros rage attack. Oh, God. That's all it had. And it could do it on, I believe, turn two if you played it right. They mm-hmm. could do it on turn two. So, so that's that's kind of ridiculous. But, uh, I, I mean, when I replayed it again... Uh, getting ready for this podcast. I was like, you know what, this this game is actually a lot easier than I than I remember it. Um, you had talked about Raindance decks, and that's, that was one really popular deck at mm-hmm. the time. Uh, the other super popular deck at the time, even more popular, I'd, I'd surmise, is uh, Haymaker decks, mm-hmm. which, uh, again, I kind of touched on a little bit when I was talking about Hitmonchan, but these were decks that were made to do as much damage as quickly as possible uh, you never wanted evolution cards in this because it was all about getting out the best things as quick as possible. So, so Hitmonchan uh, was a special Pokemon in that he could do 20 damage in turn one uh, with just one energy. And and most of the other Pokemon, I think, you could only do 10 or mm-hmm. did 10 with a with maybe a special power, like maybe you could paralyze somebody or poison them. But and especially earlier in the game, when for the most part of the main amount of basic Pokemon that are going to be evolving mm-hmm. into uh, at least a stage two, they've only got 30 or 40 hit right. points. So doing 20 damage consecutive turns, you pretty much screwed that person's Ab- strategy absolutely. over from the get-go. Like if, you, if you played, uh, if, if they played a, a Rattata, you know, it only has 30 health, and you play, and I, I mean, I play my Hitmonchan, I put one fighting energy on it, it does jab, Jab does 20 damage on its own, but because it's hitting a colorless Pokemon that has weakness to fighting, it does 40 damage, Rattata dies, and, and you win the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, or uh, there were there were also trainer cards called Plus Power, which would add an extra 10 damage to your to your attack, so you could just do shit tons of damage at the very beginning. So, so Hitmonchan was a big deal, uh, and then uh, Electabuzz was another one where he could just get damage and possibly paralyze the opponent uh, in the in the first turn. Uh, Magmar was another good one that you, you could do 10 damage and, and maybe they wouldn't be able to attack. Uh, and then Scyther was another big one. Uh, that was a jungle card where uh, Scyther was cool in that he had an attack that only used colorless energy. Uh, so it, you could put him in whatever deck you wanted to, get the, all the benefits of having a green grass Pokemon in your in your deck but not have any of the drawbacks of actually having to put in green energy that mm-hmm. your Hitmonchans wouldn't be able to use. Sure. Um, and the same, I mean, that's the same idea as the EV evolutions for me. So when I put together a, a Haymaker deck for this game, you know, you fill it with Hitmonchans first, obviously, and then you throw in a Scyther or two, and you throw in the EV evolutions that all use colorless. And you just, you, you go to town on basically yeah, it's everybody. it's really easy to get a whole lot of damage going mm-hmm first few turns and you have five different colors represented you have a, a 
you have water, fire, uh, electric, grass, and fighting, mm-hmm. and that kind of covers you. Well, you're, for you're the fighting. first, just about the first three or four years of the trading card game being in the states, that was pretty. That and the rain dance deck were the dominant right. uh, deck types. You would go to tournaments and see. It eventually got them outlawed, and they moved the game forward. So, Definitely, yeah. I mean, but, they, they had to. They It was just so broken that it was really just these two decks. And then and, still at its base, it's a very effective strategy even now. Definitely, so. yeah. So, uh, yeah, but there are other types of decks. I really like that Alakazam deck idea. I, mm-hmm. I made one of myself and, and thought it was pretty cool. But you're right, it is really slow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are a couple other Pokemon that, that have powers, uh, that are that are pretty helpful, like uh, Aerodactyl from mm-hmm. Fossil, where you can't, where no other Pokemon can evolve. That was a pretty big one. Um, Wigglytuff from from Jungle had an attack called Do the Wave that would do ten damage plus ten more damage for each Pokemon on your bench. And like in the original Pokemon, you can have six at a time uh, total, so you could do sixty damage um, every turn with Wigglytuff, and that's just. That's a lot of damage, mm-hmm. and she's pretty cheap to put out there, and the move was pretty cheap, and uh, in addition to um, putting out basic Pokemon, you could also have trainer cards that were uh, like a Poke Doll or mm-hmm. um, Mysterious Fossil that just can go out there and act as basic Pokemon, and just, yeah, you can you can do the wave pretty quickly yeah. and, and crush things, but... Um, yeah, a lot of those battles were really decided in... The first couple turns, mm-hmm. very crucial to get set up really, really quickly, and then have your deck start working for you. Right. So, but that's what made it fun was finding out the different ways to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not it's not really an exploit, but if you're playing the game and you you're just starting out, uh, you won't get a whole lot of energy cards. You'll you'll just have your one deck that will really only have the energy for the for the Pokemon that are in mm-hmm. it. Uh, now there are a couple people that you can find in Doctor Mason's laboratory who will fight you. And when you win, you'll get packs that are just filled with energy cards. So that's something that you want to try doing early in the game to, to get a bunch of energy because you're not, you usually only get maybe one mm-hmm. out of each pack that you find uh, frightening other people. And that can be kind of a pain if you're having to wait to see how much energy you can get. Um, something else I found kind of interesting. Um, when, when you got this game in a box... Uh, it came with it came with a promotional card that would normally only be in the game. It was a special Meowth card uh, that had an attack called Cat Punch. Um, that card, I mean, the game sold I think, a little over a hundred thousand copies. I think it wasn't it wasn't a huge system seller or anything yeah. like that, but it was a cool game. Um, so there are presumably a hundred thousand Meowth cards out there right now. Uh, they're worth about fifty cents. Uh, so hope you. I mean, if kept you them. if you invested in Pokemon cards as you're uh, planning for the future and having money, then yeah. <laughs> you may have backed the wrong horse. Because it, yeah, it really play. is just a fun game to play. It's not gonna unless you go out and win some world championships, then right. you may be able to start pulling in some money. But I mean, I was I was looking at a couple of the card prices now of things, and it's still like first edition holographic Charizard can can possibly net you the big money i built they're all they all say oh they it could be worth a lot uh-huh. but I, you've never seen someone someone it's, actually sell one for, yeah it's, for that much. it's such a variable thing so um and and if you're gonna try to sell something like that you've got to get it professionally graded by by a third-party company that costs about 20 bucks on on the face of it just to get it graded and it's got a like a one to ten grading scale and ten is gem mint basically never been touched uh i've been told that even as you take a card out of the pack it's already down to a nine Ugh. so there aren't a whole lot of uh 10 gem mint no. first edition holographic charizards out there but apparently if you have one it's worth like 2500 to 3000 dollars. yeah see that just kind of takes the takes the wind out of my sails when right. it comes to the card game because it's it really is meant to be fun. Yeah. So. so, I mean, I looked back through my cards, and I've got a holographic Charizard, not first edition. Uh, it's got a couple scratches on the cover. Mm-hmm. It's it's probably like a four or three. Uh, that's probably worth like eight bucks. Yeah. So, just to give you an idea, I have an $8 card. Somebody else there might have a $2,500 mm-hmm. card. 
Uh, and then all the other ones that are really expensive are, are the ones that were given away in like world championships mm-hmm. or a lot to second place. Mm-hmm. Like the the winner of the championship, I guess, would get a bunch of money, and then the person who got second would just well, here's a card. Yeah, and it says, "Hey, you got second. That's awesome." But like, there was only one or two people who would get those cards, and so those are the cards that are worth like really <laughs> shit tons of money at this point, which is just kind of weird at that point. Um, also, if you had this, if you were looking at this box and you turned it around, I just really liked that in some of the text that was at the bottom of the game where it says, you know, one player uh, uses the IR stuff. It, it also says, basic reading skills are needed to fully enjoy this game. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, probably. Hey, there's a whole generation of kids out there that uh, started forming some reading habits through playing Pokemon. Abs- yeah, it's absolutely. A, it's a text, they're all text-heavy mm-hmm. games, and especially this one. Yeah. Like, I remember going up to my mom and saying, I've had my coffee and I feel great. <laughs> uh, sure, you can go through. Um, let's see. We're kind of getting close to wrapping this up. There was a sequel uh, to this game uh, that was Japan only. We never got it, sadly, uh, that introduced the, the Team Rocket um, expansion pack expansion cards mm-hmm. into the game. Um, it was released in Japan in March of 2001. Um, and translated, it would be something like Pokemon Card Game Boy 2 colon Here Comes Team Rocket. Um, so it had an all-new story. You could play as a boy or a girl. It included all the cards from the from the original game and then um, some more cards from the Team Rocket expansion, and the idea is that uh, you'd still have to fight the, the club masters, but then there was also like a Team Rocket side story where you were mm-hmm. stopping them at the time. Um, so it ended up... Um, having like a total of 445 cards, so almost doubling um, the uh, the amount that we're in. Uh, if only all the world's problems month. could be solved with a children's card game, right? Yeah, you know, I just why why isn't that the world we live it, in? It should be, <laughs> but um, no. And it's uh, I guess it it bears mentioning that there is a few uh, emulators out there now, and mm-hmm. a few ROMs that were the uh, Game Boy Pokemon trading card game two. A few people did some pretty rough translations back I mean, back in the day, and then now there's there's a couple that are out there that are pretty solidly translated. Mm-hmm. So if you can find that and pick it up, then give it a, give it a go because it's again a really solid game that introduces a whole another set of cards and brings some new strategies to the table. And it's got a, a it's not not a really long one. It's decent enough for when you have a second just mm-hmm. to play a few duels and uh, see where you go from there. So if you can find that, then Give it a try. Give it a download. Yeah, I mean, I really like the Team Rocket expansion. Uh, they introduced uh, the idea of dark Pokemon, um, and they were different than the regular. So where you could have four, you could have four Charizards in a deck. Well, in this one, you can have four Charizards and four dark Charizards. Mm-hmm. Uh, now the problem is the Charmander wouldn't be a dark Charmander Correct. because the basic evolutions. Oh, they're they're, they're so cute. Mm-hmm. They could go either way. Yeah. Who knows? They haven't been corrupted so by Team Rocket. S- yeah, you can still only have four Charmanders, but then you know once you get to Charmeleon, the choice is: well, do I want to go down the regular path or do I want to go down the dark path? Mm-hmm. Um, so that stuff was kind of interesting. I found, um, and and I thought they they really found their stride in the artwork uh, in in Team Rocket in the Team Rocket mm-hmm. expansion because they they. Stop just going, oh, this is more or less the basic art. Um, mm-hmm. And they, they started getting into more really cool illustrations. And right. They started inviting more and more varied illustrators with different styles, mm-hmm. which they kind of continued on. And even now, they've got a lot of different illustrators working for them. And um, started doing some different stuff with uh, when computers started getting more and more sophisticated. We saw the card art get a little bit more sophisticated and kind of tend to go a little bit in one direction when people were using them with compu- computers mm-hmm. and then still having some of the hand drawn having that different style being a, a player as well so that's another thing you, you kind of find interesting about it is seeing how the cards have changed over time evolved if you will since the, the Pokemon trading card game nice. well but um, how they've really outsourced it to different illustrators you still have a few that are holdovers from the base set days and are mm-hmm. still working working with the Pokemon company for these cards but the styles have definitely um, come a long way, which is kind of cool to see. It just adds more and more to the longevity of the game itself. Right. So, sadly, it doesn't seem like we're ever going to see another Pokemon trading card game. No. Even though I think that would be awesome. Which is a shame, because I was on my uh, 
uh, emulator on my phone earlier today, looking at the top 25 most downloaded and uh, it's up ROMs. There. Mm -hmm. And the, for the Game Boy Color, it's up there. But then what I found interesting was the Yu-Gi-Oh! Oh, card yeah. game for Game Boy Advance mm -hmm. is up there as well. So it, it kind of makes you think, had they done another one of these games for the Game Boy Advance, Maybe on the DS, a make it a little more robust, and obviously include a whole lot more cards... Mm -hmm. Uh, and then maybe it could have uh, found itself a little bit more of a foothold in each generation then. And, I mean, it's, it seems like card games are coming back in a big way right now because you've got uh, something like Hearthstone coming out on the iPad and and, uh, and uh, Steam, or not Steam, but um, PC and Mac with Battle.net, where, you know, that's those are huge games right now mm -hmm. to be playing with cards, and uh, there are a couple other games that are, that are basically like Hearthstone. I, I can't remember them off the top of my head, but... Um, card games seem to be coming back in a pretty Which, big way. the Pokemon trading card game now has an online right. um, area mm -hmm. for it as well, where, I mean, I, as far, I tried it back when it was in beta, I guess in 2011, and um, tried it and played it a few times, and it, it was fun. It's, mm -hmm. I'm not really sure on the uh, mechanics of it now, but if, if they're including all the currently legal cards in there, that's a, a great yeah. way to introduce people to it. Absolutely. And, I mean, it's nice to have something digital like that instead of having to find your binders and, and do all that mm -hmm. crap. Um, but, yeah. The cards I mean, will always be mint condition. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. I have a gem. I have a gem mint first edition holographic Charizard. It's just virtual. Yeah. <laughs> I can um, give it to you on this memory stick. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, you know, I'd, I'd settle for a, a virtual console release of, of the Pokemon trading card game. I think that'd be something great to just have on my 3DS uh, in some way. But uh, Nintendo's been really, really cautious about putting Pokemon on the virtual console in any form. Uh, which I can understand with the main games, because you, you wouldn't be able to trade, you wouldn't be able to use some of the features that seem like they're really important to those games. Mm -hmm. But with the trading card game, you're missing out on card pop, and that's it. Yeah, you could just well. I mean, you could you could still trade um, deck uh, configurations, and I think you could actually trade cards. You could, and you uh, could battle through a link. And cable. you could battle too. Uh, so I guess you'd lose out on some of that, mm -hmm. but I, I feel like it wouldn't be nearly as much uh, of a problem as it would be in like the main set. Mm -hmm. So maybe maybe Nintendo would do that. Uh, we're, we'll never see the second game though. Sadly, it's a it's. Yeah, I, I think that time's coming, yeah, coming, gone. Yeah. So if you can find if you can find the ROM for it, then give it a shot and see how you like it. But Nintendo's done weirder things. I mean, we we actually got Earthbound on the Virtual Console for the Wii U, so that's I I never thought that would happen. Surprisingly uh, enough, so so who knows? Maybe maybe. Um, but Sam, I want to thank you for coming on. Do you sure. have uh, anything you want to plug? Anything where people can find you and, and hear more of your musings? Um, I don't do any other podcasts. This is <laughs> the, the first podcast I've been on since. Um, I did an old podcast with some friends in college, mm -hmm. um, just about video games and tech in general, not quite as focused as the gamers on the go. Right. But um, yeah, you can find, find me on Twitter at uh, ha nice one, all one word. And uh, if you can't find that, <laughs> you uh, you probably won't like what I'm saying anyway. So, <laughs> well, you're, so don't mean, worry about you're a big it. race fan and a big uh, hockey fan, mm -hmm. so you'll be you'll be tweeting a lot about those kind of things. And then again, I pretty much exclusively play handheld video games, yeah. so a lot of times I'll, I'll talk about that. And if uh, anybody has a Sharpedo that has speed boost <laughs> and you'd like to yeah, trade that to I me, to, please get in contact with me. I need to look Either through the that. podcast with Chase or uh, <laughs> through some other method, I would love to get a speed boost oh, Sharpedo. Yeah. Um, well, cool. As, I mean, I'd love to have you on another time uh, if if you find something that you're playing that you like and you want to want to jump in here and, and talk about it. That'd be great. Uh, as for as for gamers on the go, you can follow gamers on the go at GOTG Podcast. Uh, you can send an email into the show GOTG Podcast at gmail .com, and then our our site is a Tumblr, um, but you can just go to gamersonthego.com and that'll take you right to it. Um, I think that's that's about it, Sam. I appreciate you coming on. Sure, man. I had a, I had a good time. It's on. it's certainly not every day you get to talk about um, a game that's I guess well, 14 years old now. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do it every day. Yeah, <laughs> but yes. that makes it fun. That, I, I'm glad. To, I hope that um, uh, listeners are still out there and realize that there is certainly a a need to to look at older games and um, respect them for what they brought to I mean, handheld gaming because. It's all been an evolution from right. that original Game Boy, and 
it's uh, gone in a pretty cool direction, I think, with the 3DS and, to another extent, the uh, PS Vita. Mm-hmm. It's it's in a good place, and I hope that handheld gaming is doesn't go anywhere anytime soon. Right, and despite the, the warnings or, or doomsaying by lots of people, it doesn't seem like handheld gaming is going anywhere anytime soon. And even if, you know, the iPhone's coming out mm-hmm. and they have apps on there and, you know, they, they offer a, a different way of playing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's fun too, but it, it doesn't have to be the beat. Right, it, it's exactly. It's certainly not something to see it as a threat, but to see it as just expanding the pool of resources for mm-hmm. any kind of handheld gaming. So I think if, if companies and whoever's making these games can see that, then it's, it's going to be in a better place overall for everybody. Nice. All right, well... It's E3 next week, so I, I anxiously await uh, Nintendo saying, Hey, Pokemon trading I, card game coming yeah. to Virtual Console, I, and I we're hope, making a third one! Yeah, I hope at the very <laughs> least we see some new stuff for uh, Alpha Ruby, you know, or is it Omega Ruby and Alpha Omega Sapphire? Omega Ruby, Alpha Sapphire, okay. yeah. That'd be nice. Which, um, I mean, I guess, I mean, maybe I'll come back on when that comes out. Yeah. We can see how we like that. Sure, I'm absolutely. excited for it. Those were some of my favorite games. I, I think we will. We'll, we'll hear a little bit something more. Uh, we already got... Uh, we got covers more or less and we got the idea that hey there are going to be some um some more uh, mega evolutions in here and and so i i assume that we'll see just a little bit more even sure. if it's like hey here are a couple more of the mega evolutions yeah. or or something of that nature uh, i'm always kind of cool with them being uh more tight-lipped about that mm-hmm. since sure. there's especially since um you get so many more leaks for hardware right. and Everybody, even the, the people that are making the games physically in the factory, they have their mm-hmm. phones with them. So there's more leaks. It's kind of nice that that's something that they'd be able to keep pretty tight-lipped. Definitely. And it's really cool that you know they can announce it a few weeks ago and say, hey, it'll be here in November. And it doesn't leak where I'm going, okay, well, that'll be fun to play in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be something that I actually look forward to. And right. It's on the radar. Yeah, so definitely. it's not that far away. And it'll be, it'll be really exciting. So we'll see what happens. Cool. Anyway, Sam, thanks for coming on. Talk to you guys later. Later.